0: Welcome to the Landco Podcast, where we aim to bring value to landowners and prospective land buyers through our experiences and network. I'm your host and managing partner of Landco, John O'Reilly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Landco Podcast. So we're back at it with Ryan and Matt tonight for episode number two. Uh, which is February in the uh, year-round uh, whitetail hunter. So, uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Yeah, Ryan's got the fancy camera. We're, we're not exactly sure why his camera looks so much better than ours, but we'll. Get I'm the to least
1: bottom. techie of the three. Yeah,
0: we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to kind of open this, and then again, um, let these kind of these guys kind of roll. But um, we we chatted a little bit before it started, and, and I'll kind of paraphrase what they were saying. Um, this should be a, a little simpler episode than last time because, um, it's largely a continuation of what they were doing last month. Um, it sounds like next month they will re- ramp up into some, some new activities, but, um, we talked about what shed hunting stand location stuff. I know we did a little frost seeding. Um, I know Ryan's, um, been, um, you know, hitting the equipment kind of hard, getting that ready. Of course he's got a, more to handle, but, um. Does that sound about right? Ryan, you've been in the woods yet looking at sheds?
1: Yeah, I spent a lot of hours in there uh, walking. Uh, the nice thing about when, now that the snow's off, you know, the, the trails are very, very pronounced. I mean, you can see them obviously when the snow's on the ground, but right now they're just mud highway. So it's kind of going hand in hand because you're looking for antlers. And while you're doing that, at least for me, uh, I'm also scouting. And that is going hand in hand with maybe tweaking some stands that we had already talked about doing in January, which we're also doing in, in February. And I think Matt, you're the same way. Um Absolutely. do it, you know, as you're walking, spending, you know, hours, countless hours and miles and miles of boots on the ground, uh, looking for for sheds and, and doing inventory, seeing what bucks made it, whatnot. Um, you're able to to go along and get these, find these areas that you otherwise may not go into after say March or April. Um that's that's what I'm doing right now as far as the shed hunting I'm using it in conjunction with uh out of
2: season scouting. Sound about the same for you Matt? Yeah, absolutely. You know as as Ryan said, you know a lot of these places where we're doing some shed hunting right now we don't go into them, you know, uh once spring hits or just after spring, you know, if I'm going to be out looking Uh, For sheds and some of these sanctuary areas or parts of the wood that I don't normally go into, I want to have a purpose there. I'm going to be doing some scouting and seeing where the beds are at and where these deer are traveling in and out of, just to kind of know where I want to put um, not only some existing stands where I want to move them to, but also you know some new stand locations as well.
1: Plus, it also gives uh, you some better ideas if you know with technology we're able to use uh, you know wireless cameras, you know, uh, to come back, you know, uh, on the, on the uh, uh, cellular network uh, or email network, whatnot, to where you might be able to pinpoint some really key areas to put cameras in now that you're not, you don't have to go in there to pull cards. Um For sure. also identified about a dozen of those areas that we will definitely jump on to sneak in, put a camera in, um, and just probably even put a solar panel on it. So, we, you know, we made Not even go in there for you know at least three to four months, um, and still be able to see where these bucks are traveling and try to. It's just another piece to the puzzle of trying to get on a big deer.
0: Right. Well, how you so you're getting these pictures, but aren't haven't most of
1: them dropped? No, and that's the next thing I was going to say is that this year for me is odd because I've only found five sheds so far Um, this time last year. I think I was approaching close to 30 at this time last year because of the, the difference in our winter. Uh, we've not had the the extreme cold that we had last yeah. year. And I think they call that a polar vortex, possibly. I think that's the right terminology. Uh, the 1st of February, I found some of the biggest sheds of, of the year. And this year, I remember that. both of, you know, all of the farms are, a lot of our bucks are still holding both sides now. I've heard reports from other guys that are spending a lot of time in the woods that they're starting to pick up as far as volume, as far as finding some. So uh, this weekend, I will probably spend most of Saturday and I know all of Sunday walking uh, and probably going into some of the areas that I usually wait to the very end of shed season to go into. All right. Well, so that's.
0: Since some of those are still carrying, that's good, right? Because then you can kind of track their, their movement a little longer. I mean, shed hunting won't be quite as good, but at least you can –
1: Yeah. and from trail camera
0: standpoint, you can track them, right? Yeah,
1: and even a much larger picture, it, it shows that, at least for me, Matt and John, is that our deer are not stressed. Uh, the more stress you put on them, the more early they drop, in my opinion. Uh, I don't work. know if there's a science behind that or what I just, that's just my feeling and, and my, you know, all the years of me doing this, uh, you know, I've got four or five bucks coming up here behind my house daily. They dropped six weeks ago. Uh, right? and the, these are deer that are somewhat subdivision deer that don't have regular, you know, food plots and, and good bedding cover and all that stuff. Uh, and it seems to me that they must've been a lot more stressed yeah. because the deer at the farms... In Fulton County are not there I would say there's probably more than 50% they're still holding both sides at least 50% Huh? that's crazy you guys still have, you still have food out there
0: I mean yeah. mow that well you've mowed some of it but you still have food out there for me you haven't started discing or
1: anything yet no no all of our corn is gone okay but this year just based on what I had read and researched I left a lot more of our standing beans than I've ever left. I remember we still yeah. have probably close to ten to twelve, maybe fifteen acres of standing beans that have been virtually untouched. Huh. So
2: Yeah. No, I agree with Ryan. It's it's always the um at least how I see it, the bucks that have some sort of injury, you know, they're obviously stressed, they always drop first. Um, for what I've seen over the years, then it's the farms that we have where there's the least amount of food for the highest deer density, um, where they seem to drop fairly early this year. Uh, to echo what Ryan said, a lot of our bigger deer, at least, are still holding. Um, but I am hearing reports, you know, from what our, our Cuddy Link cameras, um, you know, we're able to check just one and see what the rest of the cameras are showing. A lot of these bigger ones um, have kind of, you know, just started to drop. There's still a few that are holding, but we'll kind of get on um, some boots on the ground this weekend too, and check out some areas that we haven't been to yet. Cool. So
0: Matt, before we launch this, you were to also talking about, um, I don't know if you're talking about moving stands or finding new stand locations. So is that yeah. from doing a little scouting on the ground? Or is that trail cameras or what's
2: that? It's a little bit of both. You know, I, I compare this, you know, late season of hunting through this time now through February, I compare that a lot, the deers, uh, bedding location and their movement, I compare that a lot to early season of hunting. They bed closer to food. Uh, They don't move around as much. So uh, definitely for some early season stand locations, I like to see what the deer, where they're moving now and where their uh, patterns of bed to food are so that I can kind of make some adjustments for at least early October uh, before the rut kicks up, because once that happens, they're a totally different animal and you kind of have to make the necessary adjustments for them
0: got it so you're just kind of making some uh, mental notes or mark it on like google map to like hey here's where they're moving if we're going to move some stands summer early fall here's where they're going to be
2: absolutely i could i could make a you know a giant binder full of different maps and notes that i've made on on different locations where um i think you know this buck is at or where that buck is at and where this stand should be with this wind or you know this moon phase or whatever But a lot of it stays consistent. It's just little adjustments here and there, depending on certain circumstances. Yep. cool. Yeah. The thing too is that I, if you guys look looked into my phone and looked at Onyx
1: and or Hunt Stand, I mean, you would not believe how much data I have got on those two apps right now. Because as I'm walking, I'm always putting in, you know, a, a, a waypoint or marking a trail. Show it because you know I always kind of monitor how far I walk because you can you go in the tracking part of it and it'll track where you've been and how far you've walked and all that. And as I'm doing that, I'm I'm putting waypoints when I find an area that I that I'm like, oh man, we I've got to get a stand here, and I can make a notation that says north wind, west wind, south wind. um, Oh, you know what I mean, so that I can go back and look at that and say, all right. I'm going to slip in there, I'm going to put a stand, I'm only going to hunt
2: that on a south wind. Absolutely. Yep. I, I tend to utilize, I don't know what you use for your weather app, I tend to use a weather underground. Uh, weather Underground. Yeah. Uh, it's something you can look at historical weather in the past too, and you can kind of, you know, when I look at a trail cam picture, if I haven't checked it for a week or a few days, I look at the day, what the you know wind was doing, what the barometer was at, and I can kind of, you know, make some notes and try and get a pattern down on some of these deer so that I know when that certain, uh, you know, weather pattern comes through again, I can get on that deer.
0: Nice. And you'll kind of cross-reference that with trail camera pictures, just kind of see when they move and and what, you know, mature bucks move. Is that what you're saying?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, nice. you can go
1: back, you know, you see a, you know, on, uh, you know, whatever, pick a date and go back and you can look at it and say, you know what, on this date, that, that buck showed up in daylight hours in the afternoon, and you can historically look at that and say, you know what, the barometer was, that day and that deer was on his feet in daylight hours
2: you know yeah it really helps you not only to you know try and capitalize on a deer with the right conditions but it also kind of helps you to know when not to waste your time on the wrong conditions
0: right that's probably more important than anything I always tell my like every time we'll we'll get in the duck blind and it's like an east wind and I always tell myself every time I show up and it's east wind I'm like I don't know why I'm doing this man it sucks every single time and it always does so it's like deer hunting, when I used to deer hunt, it used to be the same thing, man. So when you guys get your data, send it to me on the east wind, send it all to me. My my bet is that no deer move ever on the east wind.
2: <laughs> I don't know, sometimes that, you know, we don't get east winds too often, you know, in Illinois. I think that that is kind of a rarity, and sometimes those those certain weather patterns that bring about an east wind get those deer on their feet for some reason. I don't know if Ryan, if you've had similar circumstances, but it's been that way for us. I killed a I killed a
1: 188 uh on an east wind. Yeah.
2: It's crazy. Uh, I, don't believe,
1: I don't believe either of you.
0: I need <laughs> <did>. to <laughs> because fishing sucks, waterfowl hunting sucks. It all sucks. I, like if it's an east wind to stay home. Um but we can move on that's
1: my personal <laughs> the other thing the other thing too that's extremely helpful is is if you go in and use Drury's, uh mark and Terry's app deercast you can gain so much knowledge with using their app versus with in conjunction with say weather underground or, or weather bug um, and start putting the pieces of, to this great big puzzle uh, it, it, it makes things a lot more clear when you start using all the tools that you know I, I don't know how guys killed big deer 15 20 years ago with the technology we've got right now right um, but yeah there's a lot of tools that we can use right now so cool so you guys are
0: compounding data um, looking at the trail camera pictures um, Ryan i know you're new to equipment right now making sure everything's ready and we are too at the farm at double clock for a bunch of stuff but um, and i understand that you plant more than most but um to a lesser degree everyone's got to do that so what do you you're just what getting making sure your planters in order your desk is in order all that stuff
1: yeah we're going through and and we replaced a bunch of wear parts on our planters um you know we've got the, the big 16 row planter plus i've got the little four row for for smaller stuff our little plots and whatnot and we went the last week and a half yeah at least week and a half we've been going through and replacing all the wear parts it's just general maintenance is all it is. And then uh, same with the disc and soil finisher and uh, the tiller, all that stuff. Just getting everything ready because once this weather breaks, you know how it's going to be. Yeah. I'll take this for like this
0: one chance to say this again because if you have your own farm, own equipment, that's awesome. Get your, your uh, stuff in shape. But if you don't and you're, you're uncertain if you're going to have the time to do it, call. Ryan or I or Matt now or whoever else you use to do this, call it now. Call them now because we can. Ryan, we can schedule people in now, right? I mean, if oh, yeah. we give us a month or two months heads up, cool, no big deal. If you give us a week heads up, usually the answer is no. So while Ryan is getting equipment ready, I think equally important is if you have equipment line that, that I do it now. Don't, but now you're going to end up using someone that can just do it because they have the time, and those people typically aren't don't have the quality stuff that you need for the plots that you want.
1: Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's like a
0: short kind of a plug, kind of not, but that's true. If you're using somebody else,
1: too, is going on with exactly what you just said is um, it is it, the planning part of it. You know, I've been meeting with my seed and fertilizer, my, my agronomist, and getting everything laid out so that, you know, when the time's right, I'm not sitting there waiting for, you know, my, my food plot beans or my, you know, sunflowers for the dove fields. All that stuff's already done. It's ordered. And if it's not there already, it'll be there in the next week to 10 days, probably to where when it's there, I've got my hands on it. Right. We, we've been on that situation. It's being behind
0: um in terms of like having your seed is the worst so that's a good point as well um what else what are we missing um i know ryan we have been doing some uh, frost seeding i don't know if matt you've done any of that out at your places but uh certainly if you're going to frost seed, the
1: times now right yeah we're, we're probably getting uh really close to the tail end of it um been frost seeding some clover and uh i've never frost seeded alfalfa but uh I tried some uh, to see how it turns out. Just uh, it was a new planting, uh, you know, as alfalfa it puts off a toxin to where you can't intercede it. But it was a uh, it's less than 12 months old, and so from what the research I've done, you're able to do that. So we're gonna see how that works. But uh, just finished up frost seeding some switchgrass uh, and frost seeding some uh, ladino clover. Okay, nice.
0: <clears throat>
2: what am i missing
0: i, mean, I can I still think, do some hinge cutting. I can think
2: of. yeah hinge cutting that's uh you know i think we mentioned on the last uh podcast we did this i had a couple of deer that we were um watching that have showed up recently these are deer we get pictures of every year but it's always <coughs> um you know at odd times during the season or it's after the season We're going through and looking at different areas on our property that we can you know, drop a few trees, create some bedding areas to bring them closer to us uh, rather than being so far away that we can maybe draw them in and have a chance at them earlier, late season, as opposed to them coming after the food is gone where they feel safe uh, currently.
1: Yep. Ryan, you starting to do any of that? Yeah, we're pretty much done now. Um, One thing we are doing is or will be doing here uh, very shortly is creating some more access trails that you know some at some point in time during the year i just get so busy we don't get to it and this is the time of year that we try to if we want to try to get into an area undetected or without any restrictions I'll go in there with the bobcat and and clear a clear a trail back to a certain area and this is the time we do it because of the there's there, there isn't any foliage in the timber right now uh nothing is budding out nothing is leafing out quite yet to where that's a great time to do that um so we're going to be we've started a little bit of it but we're going to try to wrap that up in the next week to week or two to uh finish that up nice um this kind of reminded me of that um, again
0: we do this the same thing with uh waterfowl hunting with jody graff i know one of the things that i'm talking about is like like today i was out shooting elevations because we're like we're trying to plan on that side any development projects we have we're trying to plan it now so when it's time to do it um all we have to do is is go we don't have to do any thinking or planning is is that the case in uh, the whitetail world as well like are you guys planning any new food plots or what you have to do to prep those or you know any dozer work for that sort of stuff is that happening now as well
1: yeah we've got an area on one farm that uh i'd like to clear is about four acres um and it's an isolated area that if we were able to We've got some trees that need to be pushed out with the dozer um, and probably the backhoe as well, um, dig them out, clear clear out this area, get it prepped now. So we're not going to be able to do anything as far as planting for spring. It's going to be a green plot, um, and, and what we're planning on now is putting in a, you know, a, a blend of radishes, turnips, um, and and that sort of a, a mixture in late mid to late August. And then next year go in and maybe plant uh, a beans in the spring or something like that but we're going to try to get all that taken care of the, the excavating part of it in the spring and then get it all ready to go for a late late food plot in august right for sure
0: well it's, it's good to plant all that stuff now because a lot of that stuff you know we have a, a bunch of equipment once it gets really big it's kind of outside of our um what we can handle but it's important to get a grasp on how many days you think that'll take and get those guys on the books now, because if you don't do that, uh, similar to us and planting, they're, uh, you know, long gone, you're, you know, now we're looking at next year.
2: Um, what are we missing? Anything else? I mean, one thing I can think of, um, I mean, it's related to whitetail, but just in general, I mean, if there is anybody interested right now, you know, in having a new place to hunt, they're maybe looking to pick up a lease or they're looking to, uh, pick up a piece of property to own before this hunting season comes up. Now is the time to really get out there and, um, take a tour of these places. If you have any interest whatsoever, because you're going to get a better view and a better idea of the deer movement, the deer, where they're traveling, what the property looks like during this time, as opposed to when it gets spring and things green up, it gets a lot harder to, you know, kind of tell what, what the layout of a property is like and where the deer are moving through there. Gotcha.
0: Well, cool. Um, yeah, well, I've shown several properties in July and August and not only can you not tell much, it's also miserable. So, um, <laughs> is that it? Uh, we're going into, uh, next month. Are you guys planning burning? I mean, is that, uh, I know Peter, how much you love burning, but are you planning that out now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're planning on probably starting, uh, depending on weather and, and conditions, but, uh, next week we're going to start burning, uh, we got. I got a lot of acres to burn, so we're going to start next week, because weather permitting, and as long as there isn't um, too much snow or anything like that, we'll be we'll be rocking and rocking and rolling on the burning. Well, we'll expect some good reports next month. Then <laughs> on How many fire departments can
2: <laughs> like, <is that> call? <laughs> we'll get some video footage of uh of this year of some of the burnings that can get pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, but it's also cool. You'll <laughs> we'll, you, know, you guys will find some sheds, right? I mean, that's, yeah. all that's part of it. That's the best part. The worst part is that you burn. You know, your neighbor's farm down. And the best part is
1: you find out what Yeah.
0: But so part of it, I assume, is making sure you're ready for that. Because I do, you know, we've, Ryan and I have burnt hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. and probably thousands of acres. Thousands of acres. And um, if I know anything, I try to distance myself from that probably even more than Ryan. But I do remember that, like, you have to be ready now. And my guess is Ryan has all this party ready. Because when you get the perfect day, you just go because there's not many perfect days for each individual plot, like perfect wind, low wind, uh, all that stuff. So
1: humidity, um, you know, some of the best times to burn, believe it or not, is at night because the winds are pretty much laid down uh, or non-existent most of the time at night. Um, Humidity might be a little bit higher in the evenings, uh, but we, we primarily do most of our burning during the day. But, you know, you just got to be safe and, and, and you know make sure you got fire breaks and are back burning and all that and everything will be fine.
0: <laughs> you say
1: that. It was last words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it usually is. It usually is. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, cool. Um, well, like we said, this one would probably be short uh, next month. There'll be more. We're going to get ramped up, probably start working some fields, uh, hopefully um, burning some fields, all that stuff. So, I think that's it. Must you guys have anything else to add that I missed?
2: That's about the gist of it for me. I think we covered uh, covered February pretty well.
0: Good? Okay. Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. That will wrap it up for the second episode of the uh, year-round Whitetail Hunter. And we will be back at you about a month from now um, with the third episode and what these guys do in March. Thanks for listening.